You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. Well, hello, Journey. Hello, Journey. Amen. It is so good to see you again. It's so good to see you again. I've, I've been waiting 12 months to tell you that. Um, I have completed my gap year from journey, and I'm happy to return because I always have and always will be loving the journey. Let me say this. For those of you who remember me and miss me, I've missed you more than you know. For those of you who remember me and didn't really care for me, I hope you enjoyed last year. Might be a little rougher for you this year seeing me around more. And for those of you who have no idea who in the world I am, let me introduce myself to you like this. I am the man who had the good fortune to hire Pastor Dustin Agard at Journey Christian Church and then had the good sense, yeah, Amen to that. And then I had the good sense to get out of his way when he was ready to lead in ways that I never could, and he certainly has. You know, last year, Journey saw more baptisms into Christ, more people serving, more students saying yes to following Jesus, and more people in groups than ever before in its history. In fact, so many record-breaking, record-breaking things happened last year, I sometimes wondered where Journey would be if I stepped aside sooner. <laughs> people often tell me I should write a book on pastoral succession. And if I ever do, it will be real short. I'm going to tell it to you right now. Hire a Dustin Agard. The end. Hey, let me uh, say a quick word to our friends out at Lake County. It's so good to see our Lake County uh, campus flourishing and just prospering in so many ways under Pastor Russell's leadership. Be out at Lake County in a couple of weeks. And I especially want to say hello to those that are joining us online. Uh, had some folks reach out to me uh, from our online community even last week when they saw the end of year video, and it's so good uh, to, to see those folks are still there, and uh, glad they're connected with us. Uh, I want to catch up on a few personal things and uh, one professionally related matter, and then I'm excited to share six secrets for a healthy soul as we head into the new year. Melinda and I celebrated 40 years of marriage last June. Yeah. We were married 40 years, and uh, we were at a cabin up in uh, Tennessee in Pigeon Forge with all of our kids and grandkids in that picture, and we followed that up with a trip out to the Northwest. We went to the coast of Washington and British Columbia and an Alaskan cruise, and a lot of people who saw our pictures last year said, Pastor John, I don't know where you are, but it looks cold, and it was. I wouldn't be a good grandfather if I didn't show you pictures of my grandsons. Take a look at this. That's how they've grown over the past year. This is uh, Hampton, he's nine. This is Davis, he's seven. This is Bryant, who is four and full of mischief. So uh, they're a lot of fun, and we enjoy hanging out with them when we can. My mom is still alive, but really uh, not doing well. Here's a picture of me and my mom. Mom is 93 now, and she is a 
She's a resident in a nursing home in Kentucky, and me wearing those glasses, kind of an inside family joke. Uh, when mom was living at her house, the guy that cut her grass used to wear these, you know, kind of safety goggles. And she saw them, and she said, can I have those? And uh, he gave them to her, and now she just wears them all the time. She, <laughs> she wears, she says it helps, you know, her eyes with light and wind come. I don't know what it all means, but... So it's a little family joke. I put them on right there. Um, she doesn't remember much, truthfully, but she, she does remember she doesn't want to be in that nursing home. Uh, I just want to say thank God for my big brother, Rodney, who is probably watching right now. Rodney is her legal guardian and caregiver. This is the brother who received a liver transplant that saved his life four years ago. And Melinda made... yeah. Rodney deserves a big hand. Melinda made a great observation. She said, it's hard to understand what your mother's purpose is now, but we know Rodney's. I may not have preached at Journey last year, but I did preach several times in many different churches, from church plants to mega churches and all sizes in between. I spoke to several groups of pastors. I led retreats for church staff, one of which Melinda led together with me. You know, I said when I announced I was stepping aside that the breakthrough ideas to reach the next generation rarely come from the previous generation. And I believe there are next generation pastors who will lead churches further and deeper than many my age and older have ever dreamed. The worst part of last year was not being able to worship with this beautiful church family. But by far the best part of last year was being able to worship with my wife from the beginning of a service to the end of a service. You know, for over 40 years, for over 40 years, Melinda and I drove separately to worship services. I arrived early and stayed later. For many of those years, she got our kids ready by herself. I was absolutely no help to her whatsoever. And even though we sat together up until I got up to preach, my mind wasn't on enjoying those moments with her. I was truthfully thinking about what I was preparing to say and wondering if it was worth saying. But last year, Melinda and I drove to worship services together. We sat together throughout the whole service. We left together, usually went out to eat, and then went home and took a nap, and I loved it. And I look forward <laughs> to continuing that new tradition in the Hampton household. That brings me to an important professionally related matter that concerns you. When I stepped aside from being the lead pastor of Journey at the end of 2022, the elders gave me the title Pastor Emeritus, which is a polite way of saying we love you and appreciate you, but you're no longer in charge around here. <laughs> and I am totally good with that. Emeritus is a Latin word referring to one who has earned his discharge by faithful service. It's kind of the opposite of a dishonorable discharge in the military. Paul wrote to Timothy, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. I was honored a thousand ways while serving as your lead pastor. And when the title Emeritus was first proposed to me, I was a little hesitant to embrace it. But then I realized it was a way of being honored again, or you might say doubly honored. Now, some of you may be wondering, what exactly does a pastor emeritus do? And that is a great question. And perhaps it's best answered by telling you what I will not do. I do not have any organizational authority at Journey whatsoever, as in none. 
I am not in charge of anything or anyone. So if you have any suggestions or complaints about ministry programming, personnel, policies, or priorities, I am not the one you should seek. I had that job for over 13 years, and I loved it. But that season is over for me, and I'm enjoying the new assignments God has given me. Melinda and I will be happy to worship at Journey when we're in town or I'm not helping out at another church. Occasionally, I will preach at Journey and do a few other things that Pastor Dustin thinks would be helpful. Other than that, we plan to serve and give and fellowship with this wonderful church family and hopefully in a way that calls no attention to us. In fact, I I plan on uh, just kind of slipping in uh, (laughs) in the back and sitting, you know, discreetly so you won't even know I'm here. I'm glad you laughed at that. 830 didn't laugh at that too much, so I feel a little better about that. You know, here is what I, here's what I know. Every follower of Jesus needs to be meaningfully connected to a local church, even former lead pastors. And if I've learned anything in the last year, it's that pastors need the church's ministry to them as much, if not more, than the church needs the pastor's ministry from him. In 2022, Barner Research reported that 42% of pastors had considered quitting and leaving ministry since 2020. Their extensive reports share that many leaders feel immensely stressed, lonely, and isolated, unable to function amongst the political divides in congregations. They have families negatively impacted by their ministry, and they don't seem optimistic about the church's future. Dr. Charity Byers from Blessing Ranch Ministries, which is a ministry that specializes in coaching and counseling pastors and their families based out of Tampa, shared these concerning stats last year. 28% of ministry leaders report they're spiritually undernourished. 54% of ministry leaders find the role of pastor or ministry leader overwhelming. 35% of ministry leaders battle depression or fear of inadequacy. 70% of ministry leaders report they have a lower self-image now than when they first started. Paul wrote to Timothy words that every church leader needs to regularly read in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul said, take heed to yourself. And the longer I served in ministry, the more I understood that my first calling was not to pay attention to the ways of the congregation or the staff, but instead to my ways. And that applies not only to pastors, but to all people who follow Jesus. How do we pay attention to our ways? One of the things that I spend a lot of time doing now is mentoring and coaching younger pastors. And I've learned that younger pastors need the blessing of an older, experienced pastor And they also need to see that someone can make it over four years leading a church and still love the church. And I share with them what I call the six secrets of a healthy soul. And it seems good to me to share them with you as we begin this new year. So let's start with this one. Get a clue. Because self-awareness leads to emotional maturity. I spent too much of my life in ministry being self-conscious, but not self-aware. I was more worried about what others thought about me than wrestling with my feelings and motivations. Clumsy and clueless are good words that describe the early years of my marriage and my ministry. Someone said, trying to see the truth about myself is like trying to see the inside of my own eyeballs. 
Scripture writers would agree. The psalmist asked the probing question, who can discern their own errors? And then he humbly requests, forgive my hidden faults. Hidden from whom? From myself. I have hidden faults. I have hurtful flaws that I cannot see. Augustine wrote in Confessions, how can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? Then he prayed, grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. The best place to start getting to know yourself is to understand the story of your family of origin. Last year at Christmas, my daughters gave Melinda and me the gift of story worth. Anybody else familiar with this? Basically, you have to create your own gift by completing a series of writing assignments each week. Pre-assigned questions are emailed to you about your family, yourself, your life experiences, your interests, your victories, your losses. Now, you would think that that might be easy for a guy like me who wrote a, a sermon, at least one sermon a week for over 40 years, but it was not. I struggled to answer, I struggled to answer some of those questions, some I never responded to. I almost dreaded seeing a new question pop into my inbox on Mondays. And I got to thinking to myself, why is that? I think a little of it has to do with facing some of the uncomfortable realities of how I was raised, but it was mostly an unwillingness to take the time to honestly reflect on how much those things have shaped me for good or bad. There's a writer and theologian named Frederick Buechner who's, wrote, who's written these words that I just ponder them over and over again. He wrote this, when we are born into the world, there is simultaneously a world born into us. We are immersed into cultural contexts that affect our innermost beings, shaping what we know, how we think, what we take for granted, and what we struggle to accept. We naturally assume that what is, is what was meant to be. Pete Cazero said that just like God gave Moses the Ten Commandments that the Israelites were to obey, our families of origin gave us some commandments to fit into our family. Some of these commands were explicit. They're actually stated. Others were implicit. It's just the way things were, and you can see them on the screen there. Maybe, for example, in your house about money, someone said this, money's the best source of security. The more money you have, the more important you are. Or about grief and loss, sadness is a sign of weakness. You're not allowed to be depressed. Or about your family, you owe your parents for all they've done for you. Don't speak of your family's dirty laundry in public. About relationships, don't trust people, they'll let you down. About attitudes toward other cultures, do not be close friends with people who are not like you. Don't marry a person of another race or culture. Success It's getting into the best schools. It's making a lot of money. Feelings and emotions. You're not allowed to have certain feelings. Let me just say to you, we all grew up with some version of these commandments based on assumptions, biases, prejudices, myths, hurts, abuses, bad experience, half-truths, and pure survival instincts. And unless we understand the power the past exerts on who we are in the present, we will inevitably replicate those patterns in relationships within and beyond the church. There are so many assessment tools that can help you, not just in understanding the scripts handed to you by your family of origin, but also your unique temperament, your personality, your gifts, 
your experiences, such as strengths finders and the Briggs Meyer personality assessment, the Enneagram, and many others. My best buddy, David Vaughn, says churches need to define reality before they get better. And in the same way, our journey to having a healthy soul starts by defining reality and gaining awareness about ourselves. Uh, Pete Cazero's website, emotionallyhealthy.org, has a tool that can help you identify if you're an emotional infant, child, adolescent, or adult. And wouldn't that be great to know about yourself? (laughs) Or someone you're dating? Or someone you're about ready to hire? Scazzaro says, every spiritual journey takes us to the hardest realities in our lives, the monsters within us, the shadows and strongholds, our defiant flesh, and our inner demons. It is essential that we understand these enemies within us, or we will inevitably and regrettably project them outward onto other people. So first of all, get a clue. Secondly, get a place to be with Jesus daily, because self-surrender leads to spiritual intimacy. For too many of us, our activity is synonymous with our identity. For many years, I was too focused on being the leader of the work God had called me to do than becoming the follower of Jesus that God had called me to be. But I have learned that being alone with God helps me remember I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to prove. I have nothing to gain. And I have nothing to lose. Author and speaker Brennan Manning Manning said, My deepest awareness of myself is that I'm deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. It is a good day when we get to that place. Tim Keller said, the only eyes in the universe that count are delighted in me. Think about the first time it's recorded in the Gospels that Jesus heard God's voice just after his baptism. When he came up out of the water, a voice spoke from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. Now think about this. When God spoke from heaven to Jesus after his baptism, his first words in that sacred moment were neither directional, go here, nor instructional, do this. They were relational. This is my son. Jesus hadn't preached a sermon. He hadn't cast out a demon. He hadn't healed a blind man. He hadn't rebuked a Pharisee or raised anyone from the dead. These words had nothing to do with results They have everything to do with relationships, and rich relationships with God is cultivated in our private moments of our lives. Scazzaro said, too many followers of Jesus are chronically overextended and doing more for Jesus than their inner life with him can sustain. They have too much to do in too little time. They say a default yes to requests and opportunities without discerning God's will. Overloaded, overwhelmed, and depleted constitute normal for their lives. And then he says this, when our, li- when our life with God is su- insufficient to sustain our work for God, we practice the illusion that we can lead people on a journey that we've not taken ourselves. There's a story from the book of Acts, chapter 19. It's about the seven sons of Sceva, Sceva was a Jewish high priest. And when these seven sons of Sceva saw the extraordinary miracles that Paul performed in the name of Jesus, they wanted in on the action. So they went around starting casting out demons by saying, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out. And one demon said to them, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? (laughs) Then the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them, gave them such a beating, they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Now that's funny. A lot of people don't think... (laughs) that there's humor in the Bible, but you don't know where to find it. Here's the takeaway. 
Whatever we find, whenever we find ourselves wanting the ministry impact of Jesus while simultaneously resisting spending time with Jesus, we are positioning ourselves for a beating and some variation of being run out of the house naked and bleeding. So get a place to be with Jesus daily. Thirdly, get some convictions because self-contemplation leads to moral clarity. So several years ago, I was listening to a podcast by an author, pastor, and a wonderful leader named Craig Groeschel, and he said you should write down some things about yourself that, you, that are true or that you want to be true of you. And so I did. I wrote down several things back in 2018. You'll see them on the screen here. Let me just, let me just share with them, share them with you. I wrote, I'm created by God in his image and loved by him and his son, Jesus, and empowered to live for him by his Holy Spirit. I'm a follower of the resurrected Jesus, which means it's never over, and I'm never defeated, even by death. I, by death. I love my wife and daily honor and keep the vow I made to her on June 4th, 1983. I will gladly give my life away and up for her. I have only two people on this planet who call me dad. My children are the fruit of my marriage, the greatest legacy I leave behind. I'm a grace receiver getting exactly what I needed but did not deserve. Therefore, I'm a grace extender, choosing trust over suspicion and faith over doubt. I'm a lover of God's word, the scriptures. I love to tell his story in relevant and engaging ways that give people hope. I believe in growth personally, relationally, and corporately. People can change, and things will get better as we're being renewed day by day in the image of Christ. I'm a leader of people who look to me not for perfection but for direction. Therefore, I will lead with humility, teachability, curiosity, and intentionality. I believe the best is yet to come because Jesus is yet to appear, fully bringing the kingdom to earth. Until he comes, I'm a kingdom bringer in partnership with him. I used to, I keep a copy of that on my desk at my office at home. I used to keep a copy of that on my desk when I had an office here at the church. And at the beginning, I read those every day, and now I read them occasionally just to remind myself that these things are true of me and that I want to be true about me. And I want to tell you this, I'm no longer the lead pastor of any local church, yet those things are still true of me. And if you don't settle some basic identity principles of who you are in Jesus Christ, you will sink to the level of the decaying culture around you or surrender to the dark clutter within you. So you need to get some convictions. Next, get a buddy because self-energizing connections leads to relational affinity. Outside of our family, the friends around us are the most important influence on us. The friends you choose will determine both the quality and direction of your life. Tim Keller said in the early stage of our life, you're most shaped by your family, but for the rest of your life, you'll be primarily shaped by your friends because you become like the people that you spend the most time with. Several years ago, I ran across this friendly quiz about friends. I want to give it to you right now. See how you score. When things go south and you feel lousy, do you have a friend you can tell? Yes or no? Do you have a friend who will let you talk through a problem without giving you advice that will be a sounding board? Do you have a friend who will take the risk to tell you that you're making bad decisions or using poor judgment? If you had a failure, do you know that your friend would stand with you? Do you have a friend you believe you can trust that if you share confidential thoughts, they will stay confidential? Listen, if you can answer yes to most of those questions, you're incredibly blessed and undoubtedly grateful. And if you don't have that, you're probably looking for it. But here's the rub. 
You never drift into deep friendship. You have to give attention to it, and you have to invest in it. There's an old Kenny Rogers song that says you can't go out and make old friends. You either have them or you don't. This is my oldest buddy in the world, dearest friend to me, is uh, David Vaughn. We've known each other since days in Bible college. That's a CBC stands for Cincinnati Bible College. Uh, I think he threw a birthday party for me in 1981, 82. We've known each other for well over four decades, and we get to do a lot of work together now, which is a, a great joy for both of us to be able to share together in helping other pastors and other churches. There's a formula for friendship that a man named Paul Dobransky gave. He said this, friendship equals consistency plus mutuality plus sharing plus positive emotion. Friends, not everyone needs counseling, but everyone needs connection and community. We were designed for more than endless frenetic activity and countless casual interactions. We were created to enjoy life in community, not just surface encounters, but in-depth engagement. These life-giving relationships are not accidental or or incidental. They're intentional because we never drift into deep community. We have to drive ourselves there. So this year, this new year, maybe what you need to do is get in a group Get connected in some community. Maybe you just need to find that friend or pray that God would send that to you. Get a buddy. Next, get away and get some rest because self-care leads to personal tranquility and serenity. I have learned that sometimes the most spiritual thing I can do is take a nap. Amen? It's one of the most spiritual things you can do. Just lay down and take a nap. Whatever you're dealing with, it'll still be there. We live in a world where experts tell us that we have a sleep deficit larger than the national debt. An estimated 24,000 people die die yearly in auto accidents caused by sleep deprivation and fatigue. And up to 40% of the American population is at risk of a significant decline in health due to inadequate rest. From obesity to diabetes to cardiovascular diseases and mental health disorders, inadequate sleep can pave the way for a host of health issues. It's hard to live like Jesus if you're sleep-deprived. People who lead spiritual retreats say fatigue is the number one barrier for people trying to have a prolonged prayer time. Remember what happened to Jesus' disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus wanted them to pray with him? They slept. At another time, they were on a boat in a storm. Jesus was sleeping. They're wide awake with worry and fear, and they pestered him. How can you sleep now? The problem was they slept when they should have been awake, stayed awake when they should have been sleeping. An author named George MacDonald wrote, sleep is God's invention for giving us the help he cannot get into us while we're awake. There are some things that God can deposit into our souls. He cannot deposit into our souls until we unplug entirely from work and rest. Let me just say this to you. If you struggle with taking at least one day off a week or using all your vacation or being able to relax for a prolonged period of time, I want to assure you that consistent times of strategic withdrawal for rest, reflection, and recreation is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of wisdom. So get away, get some rest. And lastly, I would say this. Get a counselor or a coach. 
Because self-disclosure leads to mental salubrity. You did not think you'd be hearing that word today at church, did you? (laughs) You don't expect an old Kentucky boy to come up with that one. (laughs) Salubrity means promoting health. Throughout my 40-year-plus local church ministry, I sent many people to counseling but resisted going myself until a few years ago when my oldest daughter told me one day, she said, Dad, do you think you're immune to dealing with your problems? So when I told the elders of our church at the time that I was going to start seeing a counselor, the question wasn't, why is our pastor going to counseling? They asked, why is our pastor just now going to counseling? (laughs) I've learned a skilled counselor can ask you questions you don't even know to ask so you can be healed in ways you don't even know you needed to be healed. One of the many things my counselor, his name's Dwight, has helped me with is to ask better questions. For example, I hear myself asking this question a lot. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Seriously, I say that way too much to too many. What's wrong with you? That's not a good question, by the way, for a lot of reasons. Here's a better question. What happened to you? What happened to you? The number one reason why people need counseling is to deal with some form of trauma from the past that they often can't name, but they continue to live with its ongoing shame. Listen, friends, time doesn't heal all things, but it does reveal all things. And just like we need the help of a skilled professional to help identify a physical disease, we need help from a skilled therapist to help us understand an emotional dysfunction that's holding us back. Almost every pastor I know has an ungrieved loss, an unhealed wound, or an unforgiven offense that has left them with a noticeable leadership limp. And if that's true of the pastors who lead us, how much more true is it among those who follow? So I want to ask you today, who's talking to you about you? James Baldwin said, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. Jesus put it more directly and succinctly. He said, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? One of my favorite writers named Dallas Willard said about that verse, if your soul is healthy, no external circumstance can destroy your life. If your soul is unhealthy, no external circumstance can redeem your life. Jane Marzuski was an American singer and songwriter. She was professionally known as Nightbird. Nightbird auditioned for America's Got Talent in 2021, where she received the golden buzzer from Simon Cowell, for her original song, It's Okay. And when you get the golden buzzer and America's Got Talent, you're put right through to the semifinals. You don't have to audition anymore. However, she had to withdraw from America's Got Talent before she could perform again because of her worsening health due to cancer, as you can see in this picture. And Nightbird died February 19th, 2022. She was 31. But she told the AGT judges a statement that has stuck with me. 
She said, you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore until you decide to be happy. I want to change one word and leave this with you today. You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore until you decide to be healthy. Listen to me. Everyone lives with your own definition of hard. Right now, every one of you, me too. We all live with our own definition of hard. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to go through it alone. This is a great church family. They'd love to walk with you. They'd love to support you in so many different ways. You just need to have the courage to face some things and know you're not alone. Jesus is with you, and this church family will walk with you as well. Would you stand with me right now? Let's stand together. So, Father, I just stand here again, and I just want to thank you so much for the privilege of being able to stand here again. Thank you, Father, for the many years you blessed me in so many ways. to lead this great church. I see so many faces that I love and have prayed for me and Melinda and our girls and our sons-in-law and our grandkids. God, just thank you for being able to live life together in community. And Lord, I see so many faces I don't recognize. And that just tells me of the potential and the future of this church. It's even greater than what we saw in the past. And last year we saw just a little taste of that. And I thank you so much for that. And it makes me just say thank you again for my buddy, Pastor Dustin Agard. So grateful that we have each other in our lives. And that we met over six years, seven years ago. And started this, doing this journey together. Father, I thank you for the work you're doing in his life, even right now. And I know that through that, you're going to give journey an even greater story for your glory. Father, thank you for this day, this first Sunday of 2024. And I pray for anyone who needs to take a step toward following you because there's always a next step to take in following Jesus. I pray today someone will take that step, whatever it is, as you reveal it to them. In Jesus' name we pray. We all agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to journeychristian.com.